Good morning, everybody. Let's get started. Today is the Davov, and yesterday was Dav. Hey, we'll do a review of yesterday's Dav. We are learning Lilinishmas from Abashmol Shimon. May her Neshama have an Aliyah. Amen. Also, Daniel Ben Yudoleib Ben Yudoleib Amy. Okay. So, with that, let us get started on what we learned yesterday. We had seen a machlokis between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. What was the machlokis? Whether, a historical question, whether the Bechorim, the firstborns in the desert, were they sanctified? Did they have Kedushas Bechor or didn't they? And uh, there were rayos on both sides. Um, so uh, that was the dispute. So Rav Papa asked the question, how can you possibly argue that in the desert they weren't sanctified? Is a pasuk that says like this, and it's talking about So if you were counting all firstborns from one month old, one month old means that some firstborns that were born in the desert and they were clearly sanctified. So... And they belong to the generation of Egypt, or they were able to. Enter they were born in. They were born in the desert. But the point being is, is that it clearly they had the kedusha if they're if they're needing to be counted as the firstborns to find the corresponding. But were, they were were they punished to enter Israel? No. Were they not? They were able to enter Israel after the. Yes, years. yes, yes. The, the only ones who were who were withheld from entering were people who were who from came eight. Out from who were older, right, from age 20, right. Um, so anyway, uh, so, so we modified the Machlokas. What Rabbi Yochanan is saying is not only were the ones in the desert Kodshu, but it was low Pasco. They didn't lose their Kedusha. And Rish Lakish says it was Kodshu Upasco. That once the calculation of the Chumash Abkodim happened, that's when the period stopped of their Kedusha. Um, Reish Lakish provided his reasoning because it says that when you enter Eretz Yisrael, that's when uh, you're going to have the Kedushas Bechor. So we have a source for Reish Lakish. But what is Rabbi Yochanan's source? So the Gemara explains that Rabbi Yochanan's source, he got Rabbi Lazar, says that he saw in a dream, a good explanation, and the Pasuk says, Li Yihiyu. The word Yihiyu means it should be. So Bav so retains its 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 ongoing status of kedushas bechor. Now, the question, as always, whenever you have a machlokes and from two sources, what do each what does each side do with the other one's source? So Rabbi Yochanan, how does he deal with the pasuk that Rish Lakish brings? Sounds like that the kedushas bechor is only kicking in in Eretz Yisrael. So he says he learns like that that. The pasuk, like the school of Rabbi Shmuel, which says that do this mitzvah of being sanctifying the bechor, because it is in that merit that you'll be able to enter Eretz Yisrael. So it's not telling you when the obligation kicks in or when the status kicks in, but rather it is a it is the basis within which you'll merit to enter Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Came along the Gemara and brought Rav Mordechai is, uh, said. You know, you, Rav Ashi, uh, have that version. I have exactly an opposite version that Rabbi Yochanan says, Lo kachu bechoros b'midbar, and Rish Lakish says, kachu bechoros b'midbar. 
So on that, Rav, um, Ravashi says, but so you're going to switch all the opinions? You can mean that the question that we asked is now a question not on Rish Lakish, but on Rabbi Yochman. It's a question, um, and the right and Rabbi Lazar's explanation for Rabbi Yochanan is actually really an explanation for Rish Lakish. It's kind of hard to ex- accept that. So he says, no, when I said Lo Kaddish, I meant Lo Kaddish, meaning they didn't need Kedusha. And when they said uh, that it was Kaddish, it needed Kedusha, meaning basically, so he's saying, so what's the difference? That's exactly the same opinion. You're just changing the semantics. It's, it's not a difference, in, you know, not a meaningful difference. So he says, that's true. You're right. It is not a meaningful, meaningful difference. The difference is, is that the person is obligated to say Belashon Rabo, even if the teacher says it in a fairly confusing way, there's an obligation to say it how the teacher said it. Which took us to an interesting conversation between this officer, Roman officer, his name was Contrucus, and he asked a question to Rabbi Yochanan Mitzakai. When we're talking about the firstborn, so it sort of ties in. As we know, there were, there were uh, firstborns um, that their Kedusha was transferred over to Shevet Levi. And we count up the Shevet Levi, there's an interesting disparity. When the first list, when it lists each family, each group, so it lists, um, uh, you can add them up, and it comes out to 22,300. And when you look at the total, in the grand total, it says there are 22,000, not 22,300. So what happened to the missing 300? That was the question that this officer, Roman officer, asked Rabbi Yochanan So he explained to him that they have to realize that these Levium are counterbalancing, or basically um, one-to-one ratio to the Bechorim, to the firstborns. Out of those 22,300, there were 300 firstborns. So if they were, they were, it was good enough that they would be able to redeem for themselves, they're not c- capable of redeeming for Yisrael. That was the idea. So basically, all right. Um, so that was the story. That was the answer. So then he asked a different question. When listing the collections of the silver... And you do the math for the collection of the silver. We know that there was a half shekel coin for um, for each member of Klal Yisrael. So if you do the math, how many people Klal Yisrael was about six hundred thousand. So we figure that's that's half shekel coins. Put it into slaim, that would be full shekel coins, um, or or sela, and that would be about three hundred thousand. It's really a little bit more. It wasn't exactly six hundred thousand; it was a six hundred and change. But anyway, just I'm giving you the rough number so you could figure out, and then you have to figure out how, how many every twenty five, um, every twenty five slime equals a one mane of a hundred zuz. Okay, because it's like a zuz is measuring a smaller coin. That's a dinar. For those dinarim equal uh, equal one sela, so you do that. That'll be a um, hundred zuz is the same as twenty five slime. Okay, so for so for every twenty five slime you got a hundred zuz, and sixty mane is one kikor. So 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 six. So you do that in the twenty five. So that would be in in sela form. So that's. Um, 
Um, so it's really 25 times 6, okay? To equal one talent, one key core. 25 times 6. Anyway, the bottom line is, it's, uh, what is that, 150? Something like that. Anyway, but uh, if, if you uh, figure it out, um, so you do the 25 times 60, it, it, there is 1,500 salaim in, um, in, in each right. So it's uh, 1,500, which is um, 3,000 half shekel. And um, the bottom line is, is that it should be basically 201 kikor of, of, uh, of silver. That's what it should be, 201. Problem with that is, is that when putting the silver for the adonim, it only mentions 100 kikor. So we're off by 100. So he's like, what's up with that? Your Moshe Rabbeinu, your, your teacher Moshe, was either a crook, or he was a gambler, or he just doesn't know how to do math. Okay, so either of those is not a good thing. So um, on that, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka responded, says, "No, Moshe Rabbeinu was a trusted treasurer, expert in calculations, and you you don't know the math because mana shel kodesh is actually double. So it's not it's not uh, sixty. Um, Right, you're counting the money of Shulkodesh is actually double the value of your regular money, and therefore it is uh, it, it, it's really doubled. So uh, Rav Achoy asked the question. Is like I don't understand. What was the question? It says a hundred silver talents. A kikar is called a talent. Latzekes. That was for the Adonim. That doesn't mean that that was all the silver. Maybe the rest was somewhere else. Okay. So, um, as the Pasuk says, okay, so the Gemara says, it's a really a different Pasuk. He was asking from, it says, V'kesef pikudi o'eda was ma'as kikar. Okay, so now, he, this question of this chidush that Rabbi Yochum taught him, that the Manash al-Kodesh was kafol, where did Rabbi Yochum get that? So we thought we had some sources. Um, it says over here, 71 mana, and then it says, the elef u'shvam meos, so it didn't mention it only in the smaller denominations and didn't mention it in the larger denomination. If, um, why wouldn't it say, because you already hit another, the next Gikar. So, um, um, and, and 11 more, and plus 11 manas. Why wouldn't you, you know, put it onto the Gikar form to sort of truncate or say it in, in the larger denomination, which is normally the way you would do things. So doesn't that prove that uh, the fact that it listed only in the small means that the money is too big, and therefore since you don't hit a full money of the larger money, so that's why you say it in the smaller denominations. So Gemara says that doesn't prove anything. Maybe um, we only list larger, uh, the large amount in, the, in the, what's a full talent, the details of the talents we don't we don't mention. Um, anyway, um, so again, you, we worked. That doesn't really prove it. Then we tried another proof from the copper, because the copper was seventy kikar and a thousand four hundred shekel, fourteen hundred shekel. Now, if fourteen hundred shekel, um, uh, which is ready ninety, uh, we said it's ninety six money. And it didn't uh, it didn't count it 
uh, right? Why wouldn't it say it in the Kikar form? Because 96 should be 60. Remember, you said six, um, 60 mana is already one. So the, only, the fact that you see 96 mana does not basically indicate that we're not talking in the you know, uh, Kikar. Must have been, the mana must be doubled. So the Gemara says um, that's also not a proof because maybe um, we only list it in the large denomination. You know, when it's many kikarim, then it would list it in kikar form. When it's not that many kikarim, so then it listed it in this smaller form. Again, we wiggled out of it. It's not necessarily a proof. So what was actually the proof of Rabbi Yochum and Zakai? It came from the Lacha, the Pasuk in Yecheskel. talks about Shekel is Esrim Geira. And then it says Esrim Shkalim. And then it says Chamisha Vesrim Shkalim, and then it says Asara Vechamisha Shekel Hamone Yelochem. So basically, um, it really should have been two hundred and forty. Okay, um, so a dinar. So why did it say it this way? Which teaches us that actually it's, the Mone Shol Kodesh is doubled. So therefore, it's two hundred, and then you also can add on a fifth. Um, which is what he did, and a fifth, of course, is added on from the outside. So that's how you get to 240, because for every 100, it's an extra 20, which is a fifth more, okay? Um, it's a re- a, really a sixth more, but, you know, they call it a sixth, but we call it a fifth. All right, anyway. Um, anyway, that's the answer, and that was the basis. So you see, basically, that the money in the, in the, of the Torah is double... <coughs> It's twice the amount. Okay. Anyway, then we went to another question, Rabbi Eliezer, in the base medrash. Uh, I mean, Rabbi Chanina asked Rabbi Eliezer in the big base medrash, why is it that the Baychamar, why are we singling out donkeys out of all other animals, um, that it, it has to be redeemed? So he says, it's, first of all, it's Xerus Kasov. It's a decree of the Torah. But number two, there is something special about the donkeys because they helped the Jewish people in their processing of the, or taking out the wealth out of Egypt and because uh, there wasn't even anybody from the Jewish people that didn't have less than 90 donkeys laden with silver and gold from Egypt. So even every man had at least 90. So when, when, um, when God asked Moshe to tell the Jewish people to make sure that they leave with, with wealth, they were very machmir on that mitzvah. Uh, to have 90, uh, 90 donkeys laden with silver and gold. Well, donkeys. And there's 600,000 men. <laughs> what? Each one had, right. Each one had 90 donkeys. There's that many donkeys in the world. <laughs> right. It's a lot of donkeys, million, right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You're doing the math. What? Okay. It's crazy. All right, anyway, that's it. All right, anyway, then I asked, what does the Lashon Rafidim come from? So he says it's the name of the city, which is Rabbi Leza's opinion, but it's actually Machlokas, because Rabbi Shua says that the word Rafidim comes from Riftin Yadayim, from a weakening of grip, and, um, and they were, did not, weren't so strong in their Torah study, and that's why they were attacked by Amalek. Similar story uh, to the word Shittim. Where does the word Shittim come from? He says it's just the name of the place. Uh, but Rabbi Shua learns in that that it was they were Osik in Divrei Shtus and foolish behavior um, because they were involved in promiscuity with the Benos Moab at that time. And uh, that was how, of course, as we know, the, the daughters of Moab 
um, try, first they started selling them things, and then they slowly but surely got them, you know, were, uh, you know, seducing them, and then they got them to bow down to worship their idols, and that was the story. Anyway, brings us to the next uh, Mishnah. So an interesting um, halacha that if a if a if a cow gives birth to what looks like a donkey or a donkey gives birth to what looks like a horse, it's not going to have a din firstborn, because it says Petach twice, to tell you that the Yoled, the one that gives birth, needs to look like a donkey, and the, nolad, and the Nolad needs to be a donkey as well. How about eating an animal that doesn't look like the right species? So, if a if the mother was a Bema Torah, looked like a Bema Torah, and gave birth, and gave birth to a Bema that looks like a Bema Tmeya, that would be Mutter Bachila. But if the mother was Tameya, that gave birth to what looks like a, a Bema Tahora, that would be forbidden. Uh, because the rule is a Yotzimina Tameh is Tameh and a Yotzimina Torah is Tor. Okay, so that's the Mishnah. So the, there's a, when it comes to Bechor um, of a Bema Tahora, it says that if you have a sheep that gave birth to what looks like a goat and a goat gave birth to what looks like a sheep, it's Patamina Bechora. And if it has mixed simanim, partial simanim of the right species, then it would be fine. And be chayv in bechora. Where's the mikor for this? So Rabbi Yudha says, it's a pasuk, the pasuk says, ach bechor shor, means yehu shor bechora shor. And then it says, ach bechor kesef. So it has to be, it is a kesef, and the bechor is a kesef. And bechor eiz, shehu eiz ve bechor So that's where we learn it from. Now, now you might think even mixes yamanim also it doesn't qualify. That's why it says ach, which is a limitation. Okay, now the question is, our Tana learned it from Peter Peter. So what's wrong with the drush of Peter Peter that it's bringing a new source? So Gemara says you're right. That's the sheet of Rabbi Yosei who argues. He says it's not learned from Peter Peter. It's learned from that other source. From Bechor, it says Bechor three times by each animal: Bechor Shor, Bechor Kesef, and Bechor Eis. Okay. So the question is, um, what is the machlokus between whether you learn it from Petr Hamor or you learn it over there? So one learns it that the, the Torah told it to us by Kedushas Damim, and we extrapolate from that to Kedushas uh, to Kedushas Hagof. And the other opinion, Rabbi Yosef Glili, he learns it from Kedushas Hagof and he extends it to Kedushas Damim. Okay. So um, the question is, what is. Um, the Tan of our Mishnah do with the, the extra words of Bechor that it's written three times. He uses it like Rabbi Yosef Rechanina says that uh, the fact that it says Imurim by Bechor Shor and Imurim by Bechor Kesev and Imurim by Bechor Eiz is because I couldn't have derived one from each other. Why? Because on the one hand, if the Torah would just write Bechor Shor, a Shor has a lot of libations. It's uh, extra stuff that it brought on the Shor. You can't extrapolate. And it, if if it has imurim, doesn't mean that the sheep and goat will have imurim uh, portions put on the mezbech. And if you would just say the sheep, it is the only one that its tail is also brought on the altar, and none of the other ones have that. And the goat is the only one that has a, that is acceptable as a carbon for an individual who transgresses idolatry inadvertently. There's a special chatas that he brings, a sawyer, Okay, so uh, that's a goat only. You can't bring a sheep for that. So, 
that is the um, that's the story with that. So okay, so you can't learn one from one. But why? What about learning one from two? Why can't we just write it by one that it has a right two that having murim and the other one can be learned from it? So it says, well, which one would you have to leave out? If you leave out the the goat one, uh, I'm sorry, let's go in order. Uh, if you would leave out the the shore, the bull. Well, you can't be learned from the goat and sheep because they're kosher for Korban Pesach and the bull is not. Okay, so that it wouldn't be derived from the other two. Leave out um, um, uh, sheep. Well, the other two have, are, are acceptable karpanos for Avodah which is not true by, the, by, by sheep. Sheep is never valid for Avodah And what do you want to do? Leave out goat? That can't be learned from the other two because the other two have a riboy by the mezbeach. This one has extra nesachim, and this one has uh, the fatty tail. So, therefore, um, even one from two you can't learn, and that's what he learns from bechor on that. That's the drasha. Okay. What does Rabbi Yossi Aglili uh, do with petar hamor? Double expression. He uses it like this. Like we have a price that says Rabbi Yossi Aglili learns that the fact that it says bado diftes bechor adam. So note, it didn't mention which Beimetameya. Could be any Beimetameya. Okay? So, I might have thought that it's even a, a sus or a gamal, a horse or a camel, would also need to be redeemed. That's why they had to say Petra Hamar twice to tell you that only Petra Hamar and not Petra Sus and Kamala. Maybe Petach Amor is, maybe you could argue like this, Petach Amor has to be redeemed specifically with set. But Susam and Gamalim could be redeemed with any kosher animal, not necessarily set. Maybe that's what it is. That's why it takes Petach Amor twice to tell you only Petach Amor is Chayev and not any Petre Susam and Gamalim are going to be Chayev. So that is where we left off. And uh, one 